0: This is Money Talk, and let's move to our guests. And very pleased to welcome to the show, NGF von File, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield, and also James Cook, uh, who is Executive Director and Head of Investment Specialist at uh, uh, Federated Hermes. Uh, Gentlemen, good morning.
1: Morning.
0: Good morning. Uh, nice to have you both on the show, Enzo. Um, generally, what is your outlook at the moment? How are you? How are you feeling about the markets? Uh, you know, we've heard uh, about those changes in in treasuries. You know, we've, we're a week on mm. from the uh, Fed holding interest rates. Uh, what, what's your general feeling at the moment?
1: The economic time is globally worsening. We're getting an excess supply of money morphing into an excess demand for money and we're having an excess supply of goods move into an excess... Sorry, an excess demand for goods move into an excess supply of goods. In other words, less demand and tighter money. This is not a good combination for markets. On the shorter term, I know... Why games, is that not a good, good combination? Because when when there is less excess supply of money, there's less money for, to invest in assets. That's, that's the very basic reason. And so, now that doesn't mean that all markets are bad, because that's the global perspective. I'm... Contrary to James, who will tell you the opposite story, but he's a longer-term perspective than I am, um, I'm very bearish on China for the next year or so, and also thus Hong Kong, but I'm very optimistic on Japan and Indonesia. James, is that something that uh, you do disagree with? Uh, as
2: Lindsay has said, I mean, as, as investors, we're looking for uh, attractive opportunities. Um, and we tend to find those in markets that unloved in sectors that are out of favor and uh, I think China's probably become the ultimate contrarian play Mm. Uh, and certainly we feel the market is overly discounting the challenges that we see in the Chinese uh, economy. The uh, China Enterprises Index for example is trading at a level it first hit 30 years ago in in 1993 so you know absolutely we we See the challenges that that the China economy is facing, but we think the market is more than discounting those. And from a uh, investment perspective, that creates opportunity.
0: Specifically, what do you see are those problems in the China market at the moment? The property?
2: Yeah. Well, we we'll take the, the the property and you know the effect that's had on consumers. I think uh, perhaps there's a misperception, in certainly in uh, developed markets where come coming in the last few days from London. Uh, you know, Chinese uh, have two thirds of their wealth in in property. And as we've seen property prices falling, uh, that has naturally had a knock on effect and, and the weaker, perhaps disappointing consumption that we've seen uh, this year. Um, the, the government, though, seems to be going through the gears in terms of uh, trying to do more to stabilise the property sector. Uh, you know, we're seeing more fiscal and policy stimulus coming through uh, as the news has got worse, I think you know, effectively the government is is doing more and perhaps not the mm. the one and done bazooka style <laughs> stimulus that, that that followed the the global financial crisis um but certainly doing doing more um and uh you know but clearly there, there are still some challenges.
0: Some green shoots there, Standard Chartered uh, saying that it remains committed to investing in China. Enzio, uh, you know, what do you feel
1: beyond property? There seems to be sort of good and bad about China at the moment. Well, that's terrible for an economist on the one hand. On the other hand, I'm not two handed as our listeners know. <laughs> I just think, and I agree with James, it's always it's a, it's a function of the time perspective that you're talking about. I'm really looking at a one year view and I just think that the, 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 the not good news is that the Chinese government, whilst it is centralizing the focus on the Communist Party, which is not bad, it makes it more manageable, I suspect, um, I disagree. With this throttling of the private sector, which does, after all, account for 80% of all employment, and as long as that private sector knows where to create the jobs, as opposed to some government official saying, you shall create jobs in XYZ, brackets open, this is what we're also doing in Hong Kong now, sadly, brackets closed. I think China will remain a bit of a problem child, but it doesn't mean that there won't be pockets of growth in individual provinces. Um, and uh, so we haven't given up on China. It's just that relative to other opportunities like Japan, where the economic time is quite good, Indonesia, where the economic time is quite good, um, Poland, apparently. Now, that's, we're not talking about Poland today, please. Um, <laughs> but th- that's, again, as James will concur, is a very good story. Mm. Uh, You mentioned Japan there. Uh, I just
0: just come back from a few days in Japan and it seems
1: seems very buoyant though, I would say, generally on the street. Um, Yeah, well again, teaching James to suck eggs, I mean, it's when the property market is good, people feel upbeat and they feel richer worldwide. And whether you're Japanese or German or Swahili or Swiss or indeed even English from Hampshire, it doesn't matter. It's the same. It's the same feeling. So I think that that's where part of the euphoria in Japan comes from. And there's also a very strong mindset change in Japan. When I used to cover it, it was all going to take a great deal of time, lots of tooth sucking. That's kind of gone out of the out of the equation now. So um, I'm quite optimistic on it. I think the yen will strengthen next year. Mm-hmm. And I think there'll be a big turnaround there. James, the the Bank of Japan
0: uh, seems quite undecided about what to do at the moment. What's your feeling about Japan? Do you, do you see that uh, as a good bet at the moment?
2: Yeah, look, uh, I mean, it's outside of uh, our universe. We are, we're an Asia-ex-Japan uh, strategy, but certainly uh, valuations there, again, are super uh, attractive. It, it, we'd, lo- we'd love to, to have some exposure in a particularly Japan small cap, actually, where we see... Uh, very good valuations. We we can um, take uh, proxy exposure to to our market, and uh, we've we've done that this year with Honda Motor. Actually, is uh, mm. which was trading at a at a super low level, six times P E at the beginning of the year, and we saw that as a more attractive means to play uh, the growth in two wheelers and scooters in the India market, where Honda's the number one uh, manufacturer, considerably cheaper valuation than the number two in the India Marta Hero Corps that's trading on double them or triple the multiple.
0: How are you seeing the traditional uh, vehicle making business versus uh, EVs at the moment? Do you you take a view on that? Uh,
2: No, no, I mean, I I guess um, actually just bring it back to to China and, uh, you know, as China transitions, then clearly uh, vehicle manufacturing, I think China is forecast to be the world's Biggest exporter this year, and an EV is is way ahead in terms of the the units being being produced. A lot of investors, with the challenges in the China market, have pivoted. Uh, and Enzo talking about the challenges for the private sectors, the e-commerce companies that have been hindered by the the regulatory environment. And you've seen a lot of money moving into those areas that have policy support, such as uh, you know electric vehicles and and uh, ICE manufacturers in china but inevitably that comes with uh, elevated valuations so we haven't really taken a hold there but in markets like japan and korea uh, then we see more attractive opportunities to to play actually the recovery in uh, across the globe not just here in asia um, from uh, the depressed levels of covid
0: Enzio, you're talking about the manufacturing, um, exporting sector perhaps in, in, in China. Mm. Do you see that? Any bright
1: spots there? As, uh, is that beginning to move at all? No, I, I, but again, it's going to be from a different angle for our listeners. Um, the imports rose by 3%. The exports are down by 6% over year on year. So that just to sort of put it into, into perspective mm. in February. Um, so I think that what's happening is that the multinationals' activity in China is abating considerably. And I wrote a book on how multinationals affect America's trade deficit with China. In other words, why export from America if Coca-Cola is being produced in China. It took a little bit more work than that, but that was kind of the idea. So the multinationals' activity in China, as we all know, is abating because of various reasons in China itself. And so they're obviously outsourcing more to Southeast Asia, hence Indonesia, Vietnam, yeah. places like that. And that then would suggest that the Chinese growth slows and thus the exports from those multinationals also slow. And indeed, also the imports of those multinationals, because just because you I'm making this up a little bit, when you make an Apple handset in China, you obviously still need some bits and pieces from the U.S. to come in to make this thing. You can't just sort of make it all in China.
0: Uh, I mean, talking of uh, the U.S., James, U.S. markets on a bit of a winning streak of late. What what do you think is driving that? Um, You know, are we going to see that continuing?
2: Um, I think what's driving that is, uh, you know, investors um, seem willing to deploy capital into areas where they can see... Uh, opportunity to make money short term in what is a very complex, uh, uncertain environment. And and the leadership in the US has been very narrow with the Magnificent Seven um, really driving the the market this year and and investors' appetite to align themselves. Is that going to go on? Well, uh, you know, I think the the initial, I was going to say, aligning themselves to the generative AI phenomenon i think that mm. the challenge there is we, we're yet to see that being monetized meaningfully and contributing uh, into earnings
0: is all hype you say no
2: i, I don't <laughs> think it's hy- hype at all but i think we're at, certainly at the early stage of the of the uh, the curve where we are today but that you know it's interesting to compare because of course the leadership in the u.s has been very narrow the the sell-off in China has been very broad-based. Mm.
0: And, you know, talking about rates, uh, have we seen um, your peak rates yet? Uh, is, is the Fed going to do something else uh, from from your
1: perspective? What do you see? I don't think the Fed will do a whole lot more. And let's not argue about sort of 25 basis points. I mean, we did... One Everybody of th- does, though. Asia. Everybody <laughs> does, yeah. But they should be looking more, um, at the. I believe, at the longer end of the curve, where you... We'll probably still see the um, 10 years up at 6, I'm i I'm suggesting. Um, they're currently at um, 4.57. I'm looking at 5.5 to 6 for the reason that there's going to be a lot of debt issuance going on in America. And Whenever the supply of something goes up, the price goes down, and then, of course, the bond yield goes up. So I think that the action is going to be at the long end of the curve, Lots of debt issuance going on in America because of the rising government sector deficit. We know that. Also, corporate bankruptcies now at a 24-year high in America. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of debt issuance going on of of just people having to to issue this stuff. And that's going to increase the bond yields quite considerably on the long end of the curve, in my mind. James, just very quickly before we close, do you agree with those views, Homenziah?
2: Look, I I, I don't know whether the Fed knows what what they're going to do in in the next few months from where we are here, but I think clearly acceptance of higher for longer has been negative for risk assets. And, you know, through October, for example, we saw $12 billion worth of net selling affecting markets in Asia, particularly, you know, Taiwan, Korea, the the more rate-sensitive sectors such as technology. So, uh, you know, any sense that we are... (laughs) reaching peak uh, rates should should be uh, positive right. and actually just this last week you've seen investors tiptoeing back into uh, those markets about two billion in the, in the past week coming back in on on the suggestion that maybe we are uh, certainly entering a pause phase.
0: Well, let's see what happens. James Cook is Executive Director and uh, Head of Investment Specialists at Federated Hermes and Enzio Von Fire, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield. Thank you to you both.